0: The Eason Book Club on the Pat Kenny Show, sharing book recommendations with book lovers every month.
1: Right, it is time to look at our Eason Book of the Month, which is called The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean. And here we have to discuss it. Claudia Carroll, Kevin McGarren, and Stephanie Preisner. Now, I'm in a room on my own, so I don't know, you're all not together, I'm presuming. You are scattered to the four winds.
2: We're yeah. socially distanced, Jonathan. We certainly and I,
1: are. And is everybody turned out appropriately? I'm looking at you, McGowan.
3: <laughs> I'm sitting in my car because there's better coverage out here. You're sitting in your... Jacket. It,
1: in your car in, in your pyjamas well done Kevin that's what we <laughs> want to hear we're going to get to this book in a bit. it's a bit heavy let's put it that way but uh, let's talk about the next book of the month that we have to pre- you have to choose from so listen very carefully because one of you will have to pick from this list The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce. an imposing isolated getaway spot high up in the Swiss Alps is the last place Elon Werner wants to be but Elon's taken time off her job as a detective so when her estranged brother Isaac and his fiance say law, law invite her to celebrate their engagement at the hotel Elan has no reason not to accept arriving in the middle of a threatening storm Elan suddenly feels on edge and there's nothing the hotel does that it's something the hotel does to make her feel nervous. Yeah, that's that one. A Space Hopper by Helen Fisher. Although Faye is happy with her life, the loss of her mother as a child weighs on her mind. Even now, she's a mother herself. So she's amazed when, in an extraordinary turn of events, you need one for a book, she finds herself back in her childhood home in the 1970s. Faced with the chance to finally seek answers to her questions, but away from her own family, how much is she willing to give up for another moment with her mother. Last one at the party by Bethany Clift is next. It's November 2023. Ah, do I... (laughs) Uh, The human race has been wiped out by the 60M virus. Six days maximum. The longest you have before your body destroys itself. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yet someone is still alive. A woman who has spent her whole life compromising uh, what she needs and hiding how she feels to meet other people's expectations. So with no one else left, who will she become now? She's completely alone. And the final book is The 100 Years of Lenny and Margot by Marianne Cronin. Life is short. No one knows that better than the 17-year-old Lenny living on the terminal award, but as she's about to learn it's not only what you make of life that matters but who you share it with she bumps into fellow patient Margot a rebel hearted 83 year old from the next ward the bond is instant and they realise together they'd astonishing 100 years lived between them those are the books for next month so uh, think about that while we're having our chat but we want to talk about uh, the book we need to talk about now, which is The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean I'm going to give it to you Claudia to describe what this book is about
2: oh my god well it's bleak it's it's a devastatingly claustrophobic book um Uh, I found I had to sort of work at getting into it, but once the story takes off and the tension ratchets, and boy, does it ratchet, I was actually getting chest pains reading it for the final (laughs) two-thirds of it. Um, Just to give you the background history, uh, the book is by Will Dean, and it's about a character called Fan, who's a young Vietnamese girl who's trafficked, basically, to the UK with her sister in the promise of a, a better life. But very quickly, that doesn't work out. And she ends up effectively in in slavery with a farmer in the bleakest, most most remote farmland setting. The char- this character is called Len. And I think he's one of the most brutish characters I've read in, in, in literature for a very long time. Um, he's abusing her. The abuse is physical it's mental he's playing out this really sick charade that they're actually married he calls her jane because that was his mother's name he forces her to wear his mother's clothes she has freedom to walk around the house when he's out farming all day but he and she's desperate to escape but we discover in the prologue as she tries to make an escape that he has smashed her foot pretty much to smithereens years before the story starts so she has no mobility. She can only go a couple of yards from the house. That's it. Um, so the the title, which I found intriguing, comes from um, her most treasured possessions. And every time she transgresses one of his, his rules in the house, and he keeps her under CCTV day and night and monitors mm-hmm. the tapes, he'll burn something that means a great deal to her. So she's down to, as the story starts, the last four things. She's down to her ID card, which is proof of who she is, the one book she has, which is proof that she has a brain and she can think, and a photo of her parents, which is proof that she's loved out there somewhere. Um, and the story itself. So, Claudia, kicks off. Claudia do,
1: do, does the story pick up at any point? Because right oh, God, now I'm boy, sitting there going, it. mm. <laughs> no. it, it, it's, oh, it's not the quite tension. the uplifting tone that I need at the moment."
2: Oh, it, it's not an uplifting book. It's, it's, re- and I read it in January, which is never an uplifting month anyway. But the story <laughs> kicks off when a neighbour, a, a new neighbour, called Cynthia, a young English woman, full of life, full of the joys. She up to the driveway, where they never get callers, ever, and Sam slash Jane is on her own in the house, and she speaks to this woman, Sin, who just wants making a perfectly neighbourly inquiry. She wants to know if she can rent a field to graze her horse, and Sin immediately cops on that something is amiss here in a very big way, and she keeps saying, are you Okay. And I'm afraid to tell you any more because I don't no, want to no, spoil
1: no, I, it. I, I, I'm presuming they live happily ever after. Um, <laughs> Stephanie, th- this sounds like uh, misery meets room. Um, and, and neither were a joyful watch. I mean, <laughs> neither were a joyful watch, but like it, I think the
0: adjectives that we've used to describe the book so far would turn anyone off it. And I loved this book. Like, yeah, it was a claustrophobic read, but, like, in the best possible way, you know? Like, it's it's a story of resilience. Like, it's these, you know, it's, like, yes, there are terrifying cruelties in it, but they're not, I don't want to put people off this book, because I actually read it in one sitting, I got into it in the first couple of lines, because in the first chapter, she's making an attempt at escape, and it's just really, really, really gripping, you know, and the storytelling is brilliant, it's real atmospheric, and it's unrelenting, and you just kind of, like, get swept along, and you really want her to succeed, I'm not going to, you know, try and spoil it on anyone, uh, because I really do think that you should read this book, and it's, well, yeah. I really enjoyed it and I read it very, very quickly. It just seems like even where it was set, this sort of like in a fen in in the UK, it kind of matched perfectly the, the atmospheric setting because, you know, it's like a really bleak it's a bleak story, but you're able to kind of visualise the decrepit farmhouse that she's trapped in. And I, I, I loved it. Like it was, look, yeah, it, my... It's,
1: my so, it's believable, really, isn't it? Because, you know, it's terrible in all as it is, it isn't in a kind of an alternative plane of reality. It's the type of thing that could conceivably happen. And Kevin, in your car, um, your man, Leonard, uh, not a great lad, uh, a terrible, terrible human being. Any redeeming features come through at any point?
3: God, I don't think so. No, he's an awful... He's one of the foulest villains I've come across in in literature. And same as Stephanie, like... um, Sometimes with these books for the book clubs, I I sip them. I have little sips over a month. Um, This one, I gulped down like a pint of my wadi on a hot summer's day. I think I read it in two (laughs) settings. And uh, I couldn't put it down. And, yeah, just an overall sense of dread... um, so he, he does a really good job in keeping that tension going for practically the entire book. And I know you're saying, like, does it ever pick up? It, it picks up immediately. Uh, and it's I found it impossible to put down. I did find See, the I- ending a little bit abrupt, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to go into. But I found it overall a very satisfying read.
1: Yeah, and you see, this is it, because I would have assumed at the moment nobody would want to read a book like this. But I mean, all of you are describing a, a very compelling book. I mean, Claudia, even though it was, it was grim and horrible and awful, uh, would you agree that it's, you can't put it down?
2: Oh, absolutely. I would completely agree. I think the comparisons to Emma Donahue's Room are well justified because what Will Dean achieves as an author is quite astonishing. It's only set in one location. And if you think about that, how many books do you read that you could say that about? It's only set in this remote, desolate farmhouse mm. in the middle of nowhere in the UK. And, but,
1: and is it not told from one unique perspective as well? Yes, that it is. It's told entirely
2: from... Yes absolutely, um, from Fan's point of view. But I just, I, I thought, I can see why the comparisons with room are, are appropriate. Um, and you are just on the edge of your seat by the end of it. I literally was getting chest pains. I had to check my pulse. <laughs> it was It's one of those ones.
1: Stephanie, there's something about that, though. Um, I mean, there are books out there that just draw you in. And, like, if it's after capturing the three of you that way, that means that Will Dean's done it right
0: he's definitely done it right and it's like for me at the moment reading is about like can you can you can you distract me from the global pandemic for a few hours like please and that's that's what I'm looking for in a book and yeah it might be a grim world but it's not a real world and I'm totally happy to dive into some grim fiction because because it distracts me from the world and I was you know those moments where you start reading a book and then you look up and two hours have passed and you're like god there now like i now i'll go for my walk in my five kilometers like but it's a way to pass the day and i think that's i i'm not always looking for something uplifting i'm looking for something captivating and he's created a world that i was totally able to fall into and 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 follow and and characters that i was rooting for and yeah i i I would recommend anyone to read it you'll fly through it
1: Will Dean um, uh, said that the the idea for it came to him in a dream. Uh, I I wouldn't fancy having those dreams, Kevin. Uh, I I know we're all dreaming strange at the moment, but uh, I wonder what his next dream will contain, if that was the first.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't like to share a bit of them. Um, The one thing I I, I suppose I would say, uh, you're comparing it to to Misery and Room, um, which I both loved, but I found the villain in Room very... um, Underdeveloped, he sort of he sort of waltzes through the book like a ghost. Whereas this, um, I find it more believable because it's about human trafficking. It seems like it. It kind of this kind of stuff probably happens, you know. Whereas R- misery in room, it does seem quite fantastical. You know, it's about a writer who meets his his number one fan, who's a lunatic. Um, it's quite fantastical. Whereas this. I don't, I found this more horrific because I, I kept thinking, Jesus, you know, this is probably happening, you know? Um, so it, to me, it, it, it was more compelling, I think, than the other two. Yeah.
1: Well, Kevin, we let you go back into the house now. I think it's only fair. Uh, you've given us 20 minutes in your car in your in your pyjamas and your heavy coat. So that that's good. Thank you for that. And Stephanie and Claudia, the good news is you've all given the three thumbs up to this, which means that it does actually pass the very stern test that is the Eason Book Club on the Pat Kenny Show. The book is The Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean and it is available, of course, in Eason. Now, uh, Stephanie, you have to pick the next one. So from that list I gave you earlier on, which is The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce about a creepy hotel, Space Hopper by Helen Fisher, which is about time travel last one at the party by Bethany Clift which is effectively a deadly virus that wipes out the entire world and the last one is the 100 years uh, of Lenny and Margot which is about happy living uh, with Marianne Cronin Uh, you have to pick that we'll come back to you after the weekend and you let us know which one you chose okay okay class thank you so much thank you so much Stephanie thank you so much Kevin and thank you Claudia as well lots to come